Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. good to lift up the name of Jesus in this place and if you haven't got what you've come for yet I pray by the time we're done today you can walk out and say well the Lord is good and I have met him today so hey why don't you high five about three people as you take a seat next to you let them know come on get what you came for get what you came for come on tell them get what you came for today So good. So good to see you this morning. You doing okay? Awesome. You're going to have to do a little bit better than that. Come on. Are you doing all right? <clears throat> so good. So good, man. I love what God is doing uh, in this place and in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, you may have heard me say it earlier, but this is our summer location, and uh, we're excited. But at the end of this month, and the beginning of September, we'll actually be moving back to Spillane, which is our regular uh, location. And so uh, September 1st, we'll be back there, Labor Day weekend. Man, we're excited to get to be uh, back in Spillane. Uh, the, the faculty and staff here at Goodson has been incredible, and so we are super thankful uh, that we were able to be here, and they were such great hosts over the summer. But we'll be back at Spillane. And uh, man, I, I'm excited today for a couple of reasons. One is because I haven't spoken three weeks, um, and that has been uh, great for me. Uh, it's been a time of, of rest for myself, but uh, I'm excited to get back in it today. Uh, I'm super, I, I've, I've been kind of itching this week, like, let's go. I had somebody tell me earlier, like, you better not stink it up today because I haven't heard you in a few weeks and so if you stink it up I'm gonna throat punch you I was like cool like I got you like I'll do my best today and hopefully that works and so uh, I want you to know today that uh, if you're new here uh, that we're kind of uh, kind of a uh, participatory type of church all right so uh, it's okay to be uh, a little bit like mm-hmm like if I say something good it's all right can we have a little choir practice can I get a little mm-hmm there you go. Come on. Some of y'all are in a different key, but it's all right. The Bible says make a joyful noise. And so uh, it's okay to be like, let's go. Come on, preach it. Like, let's go, white boy. Uh, I like your J's. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, like you it just, just we're going to have fun. We believe that church should be enjoyed, not endured, all right? And so maybe maybe you grew up in church and you, en you had to endure church. Anybody been there before? Uh, we don't want that to be your experience today. So uh, I want you to have a good time and experience the Lord at the same time. And so, hey, we're starting a new series today. Everybody say this, Born to Worship. <clears throat> Man, I've been so excited about this series. You and I 
were born to worship. And so I want to dive in kind of to our, our anchor verse over the next few weeks or verses. In Psalm chapter 100, this is a popular verse uh, or set of scripture here. But it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. <laughs> Not bad, okay. Let's go. Uh, <clears throat> let's try that again. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. <laughs> there we go. All right. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good his steadfast love endures forever. His mercy endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. That's good news today right there if you were looking for some. But I feel like worship is something that we do from week to week. We walk into our church. We walk into Hope Rising, and the band sings some songs and does just a great job of leading us into worship, but we don't ever really know why we do it. Have you ever, have you ever asked the question, like, why do we do what we do? Anybody? Like, like why, why, do we, why do we start with some fast music and end with some slow music, like the slow jams, right? Like, like why, why, does, why, does, uh, why do we take communion for? Why do we take up the offering? Have you ever had just, you've ever asked some questions and you just weren't quite sure? Well, it's kind of how I feel about worship. Why do we have music? Why do we lift our hands? You know, there's, there's many different ways to worship. I call this, um, I call this like carrying the TV. And then I, I kind of call this like carrying the big screen. All right. And then, and then those, those that God's working in them and doing some, doing some things in their lives, this is like, this is like, I caught this size fish, like, Right. And then, uh, and then you get you get like the pageant, the pageant worshippers. It's just like, you know, a little like wax on, wax off, Mr. Miyagi. You know, uh, you know. And so, so there's so many different ways that you can find yourself worshiping. You see some just like, let's go, let's get it, hey, you know, uh, like it just, it doesn't matter. It's just kind of who you are, maybe kind of your style or your flow. And so, but many different ways to worship. Do you? Remember, I'll take you back for a minute. Do you remember going to school, maybe that eighth or ninth grade year, somewhere right in there, and uh, you're in math class? Anybody love math? All right. Dude, awesome. You're my people. I love math. I was so sick. I, uh, I took math classes for fun in college, uh, just for the electives. And so, anyways, fun fact. And so, uh, we're, you're in math class, and the teacher introduces something called the quadratic formula. Anybody remember that? Maybe you're in high school and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know what that is. And, and maybe, maybe you said this or you heard somebody say it, but rest assured somebody said this. I don't know why we're learning this. I will never, ever use this in my life. 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like you said it, you heard somebody say it. You're like, I, I don't even know why they're teaching us this. This is awful. Please, just I just want to graduate and move on with my life. But you had to hurdle through the quadratic formula. And for most of us, we probably won't use the quadratic formula in our lives. Like, I don't know about you, but I only know of one or two people maybe in this room that has actually used the quadratic formula uh, in their life and in their profession. Uh, you may be here today, and that's you, and, and God bless you because um, we're glad that you have the job and not us. And so, but most of us won't use it, but this is what it taught us. It taught us how to problem solve and how to use our critical thinking. We didn't realize that then in eighth grade or ninth grade, we just, we, we just hated the quadratic formula. Just teach me how to do it, teach, and I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to try to get, it, get the right answers and move on and go to the next grade. But we didn't realize that it was teaching us how to problem solve when we didn't know the answer and that our critical thinking would begin to work some. Well, I think worship is kind of like the quadratic formula a little bit. Worship is something we do and we don't always see the immediate results of it. And so sometimes it can be thought of useless, pointless. I don't know why we worship. I don't feel any different. But when you understand the why, when you understand why I come to worship, when you understand why we come to we corporately worship together and, and why we, we sing, our, sing the songs that we sing and why we lift up the name of Jesus and we begin to understand the power that comes from worship, we're like, yeah, baby, I'm all in. I'm all in. And so the definition of worship could be said this, to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Kind of sounds like marriage. <laughs> extravagant love, washing the dishes, folding clothes. How I many you know, come on, how I many know that's some love? Especially if you got multiple kids. Washing the dishes, folding clothes, extreme submission. Taking out the trash, come on. Like, I hate taking out the trash, but you got to do it, right? Dude, just try this, okay? This is a test for you this week, all right? Do some of the things around the house you normally wouldn't do and see how it grabs the attention of your spouse. I'm just, I'm just giving you free marriage counseling right here. I'm just telling you, come on. Like, you do something you normally don't do, all right? And, like, check your spouse, and they'll, like, turn their head and be like, what'd you do with my husband? I don't even care. I like this, this, this one right here. Yes. Yes and amen. And, or, or ladies, you know, uh, something, something maybe you don't normally do. I don't know. Uh, just try complimenting your man. Man, you do so good, baby. Man, you work so hard. You, you, you pay the bills. Uh, you know, whatever. You know, I don't know. Uh, you, you make it up. And, and watch how it grabs the attention of the other person. You put the kids to bed. Put some Marvin Gaye on. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to help you in your marriage. And so, but we're talking about worship. We're talking about worship. I'm sorry. 
But when we, so when we worship God with this extravagant love, not out of a have to or a religious duty, but because we love him, it grabs his attention. Today when you came in and we were worshiping, not, not out of duty and not out of, not of, it's just I'm supposed to do this because I'm at church. No, 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 no. When we say, God, I, I just want to worship you because I love you, God's like, I believe God like, shh, angels, Michael, shut up. Hey, stop. Listen. And he hears a group of people down in Cyprus, Texas, in a nice, cold, frigid August, hot, humid August morning. That says we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. And it grabs his attention for Matthew 4.10 says, For it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God. You see, it's easy to worship the Lord when things are going good. Anybody? It's easy. It's a lot tougher to worship the Lord when things are not going as planned or as good. In fact, when things are not going as good, our church attendance seems to suffer. Uh, maybe we're here, things aren't going good, but we're here in body, but we're not here in spirit. We're like, cool, I'm here because I'm supposed to be here, or I know I need to be here, but I'm just, I'm just here. I'm numb. I'm just here. Like, I just, God, I don't know if you can do anything, but if you can do something, I'm here. I get it. I've been there. I understand. It's a lot more difficult to worship the Lord when things are not going as planned, when you haven't met goals, when you're upset about a situation, when the struggle is real. David in the Old Testament is in the wilderness and he's at one of the lowest times of his life when he writes Psalm 63 and he says, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. Remember, he's, he's in a low, really low point of his life. And uh, he, he goes on to say, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld the power of your glory. I've seen you do some great things, man. I've been in your presence. Man, you've done amazing things in my life. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Because, because you're better than life. So I will praise you as long as I live. Whether I live another hundred years or whether I die today, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will lift up my hands. Paul in the New Testament was, was writing to his protege, Timothy. And he was trying to teach the early church, early Christians, what it was to worship. And so he was giving Timothy these instructions. And he says, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. 
Now, a lot of times when you read the Bible and you see mankind or, or man, there's a lot of times that you can, that can be translated as woman or, or woman or man. And like, it's interchangeable, but, but here it literally means men. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray. And I began to think, why would God, why would, why would God put that in Paul's heart and speak that into Timothy? Because I believe there's something about it when the, the men stand up and pray and the men worship and, and the men lead their families and, and let them know, hey, for us, we're going to serve the Lord. For us, we're going to honor the Lord. And, and we live in a day and age in a culture where, honestly, it's a lot of women that, that, that lead their families and spiritually speaking, and, and they're the ones responsible for getting the family to church. But, but man, how awesome is it when the father and the dad stands up, the husband says, you know what, today we're going to go to church. Today we're going to worship the Lord. We live in a fatherless generation. We know that. We hear that. But, but what, what if those that are in place and in position can say, hey, today we're going to serve the Lord. Today we're going to, we're going to pray about what God's calling us to do. Today we're going to ask the Lord, would you give us clarity and would you give us wisdom? And, and your kids begin to hear you pray. What a change it can make in our families and, and in our world. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up what? Holy hands, without anger or disputing. Why lift your hands? Why lift your hands? First of all, because God loves it when we do. I believe God loves it when we do. Think about this. Think about one of your, your kids running up to you with their hands raised. Daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy, pick me up, hold me, right? Any good parent is not gonna be like, nah, kid, you're good, see you later. I got things to do. No, you as a parent are going to be like, yes, come here. And you're going to pick them up and you're going to embrace them. And I think it's amazing when, you know, when they're babies, they don't have a choice. You're like, come here. You know, they, you, you have to hold them. You, you kiss them. You force it on them. You know, they're like two or three. You're like, come here. You know, like, I'm, I'm going to hold you. Uh, and I'm going to kiss you. And, right? And like, you just, you just love it on them and you force it. But it's amazing when they get older and they still want the hug with their arms held out. When they're nine years old and they walk in on a Sunday morning at 630 because they're getting ready for church and the first thing they do is give you a hug. Not because she has to, because she wants to. And, oh, it's, it's amazing when you have teenagers, and, and the teenagers when they're 14 and 15 and 16, and, 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 and they got things going on, and, and their friends are becoming more important, and, and, and life is happening. But it's amazing when they still come in, and, and maybe, maybe you can't hold them anymore, because that would be weird. Um, but, but they come in and they want to give you a hug. Or they come in and they want to put their head on your shoulder. They come in and, and they just want to know that you still care and that you're still there for them and that you love them. 
no loving father would turn from the lifting hands of his children. Draw near to God, James says, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I, why, why do we lift our hands in worship and oh, why do you see people do that? Well, yeah, God loves it when we do, but also it's an offering of praise. Also, coincidentally, probably theologians say that this is David's lowest point of his life. Psalm 141 is written, it says, oh Lord, I am calling to you. Please hurry, like 911, come on. God, I need, have you ever been there? God, I need you, not like tomorrow. I need you to answer this in the next five minutes. Please hurry, listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised, what? Hands as an evening offering. You may feel like David, and you may be at a low point in your life. You may feel like you have nothing left to offer. But if you have a praise in your heart, come on, if you have some worship in your spirits, Come on, the enemy may has, have tried to deter you, to put detours in your path or in your life or in your marriage. He may have tried to take things away, but if you can hang on to some praise, if you can hang on to some worship in your heart, if you can lift your voice and lift your hands and begin to worship him through the storm, there's something about it. There's something about it when when you can say, man, I got my mind made up, I'm going to praise him anyways. I'm going to praise him when it hurts. I'm going to praise him when it's good. I'm going to praise him when, when, when the sun is out, and I'm going to praise him when the dark clouds are all around me. Because I got a praise inside of me that not even the devil can take away. Come on, when we, when we praise him, when we lift our hands, it is an offering unto the Lord. Another reason we lift our hands is because we are declaring battle. Because we're declaring battle. Some of you are kind of like, well, that kind of sounds violent. <laughs> you may be in a real battle. You may be going through some stuff. Maybe you're coming fresh off of victory. Maybe the enemy's gearing up for its next attack in your life. Can I, I just want to be honest. We, we fight a spiritual battle. We don't see it. We don't talk about it enough in America anymore, but there is a heaven and there is a hell and there is a good versus evil. Jesus Satan, it's real. The, the struggle is real. The battle is real. And so when we lift our hands, we're declaring battle. So get this in the Old Testament. Moses has just led the Israelites out of Egyptian 
bondage and slavery, right? They, they'd, been, they'd been enslaved, and, and Moses comes. He's their deliverer. He goes, and he, they, they march out of the town, and they go through the Red Sea, and everything is looking good at this moment. But now they find themselves in the desert on their way to the promised land. Have you ever found yourself in the desert before? Like you, you were going where you felt like God had called you to go, do what God called you to do, but you were like, man, God, I don't know where you're at. Like, like if you want to show up in any moment, I'll, you can go right ahead because I need you to show up, right? Just like David, hurry up, God. I need you to show up. And so, so they're, they're out doing their thing. They're in the desert, and they're getting hungry, I mean, the preacher has preached too long in service. They're like, Moses, it's been good hearing you, but we need some food now. We need a little Lupe tortilla. We need some gringos. We need some bajitas. We need need something that's going to fill our bellies. And so God says, I got you. Like, I'm creative. I know how to give you something that that you need when you can't provide it for yourself. And so he says, I'll give you some bread from the dew on the ground, and I'll just start raining quail from heaven. Just like, could you imagine, like, seeing that? Like, for real, like, it seems like a scene out of a movie. Just like, just like birds, like, look, birds, ah, duck, ah, right? And so just feeding everybody. And so they're hungry, but now they're thirsty. Some of them quail were a little dry, like some bad turkey at Thanksgiving. Come on. We've all had some bad turkey at Thanksgiving. Not at your house. Let's go. We go, we go, we go in there. You better make room. Better make room. And they're thirsty now. And so Moses goes to a rock and strikes a rock, and water begins to flow from this rock. But the people are kind of antsy. They're kind of like, this is great. This promised land you talked about, cool. But you know what? Let us go back to Egypt because we are better off there. And so they're wanting to go back to old things. They're wanting to go back to an old lifestyle. They're wanting to go back to the things that they were used to, even though it was the very thing that they wanted to get freed from. Sound familiar? Come on. And so this is human nature. And so, so, they, so now they're like, they're free They're experiencing the blessings and the miracle of God on their life. God is showing up. You're hungry? Cool. Bam. There's some bread. Oh, you want some more? I'll get you some protein too. Here's some birds. Oh, now you're thirsty. Cool. I make great H2O. Come on. And so, so it's like whatever you need, God's providing it. But the people are kind of grumbling. They're upset. They're irritated. Tired of waiting to get to the promised land. And the enemy shows up. The Amalekites. And they attack the Israelites. And so Moses, he says to Joshua, Joshua's his, his right-hand guy, he says, Joshua, choose some men and, and go up to battle. And, and tomorrow I'll stand point on top of the mountain and I will raise my hands to God. Story picks up and Exodus 17, verse 10, it says, So Joshua went and he fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands, 
the Israelites were winning. How many like to win? Come on. We all like to win. If you don't, we'll pray for you after service. I don't know what to tell you. We don't believe in everybody gets a trophy around here. So, um, sorry. I don't know what just came over me. And so, but as long as Moses, he held his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he began to get tired and his hands began to lower, the enemy was winning. Maybe when they were in the middle, they were tied. I don't know. Right? I don't know. Have you ever have you ever tried to hold your hands up for a long time? Like it's difficult. Like cool for the first 60 seconds. But after that, you wish you had gone to the gym a little bit longer. Like you you wish you lifted a little bit heavier weights a little bit longer. Here, here's here's an interesting fact. Did you know that tennis? I don't know if you like tennis. I'm not necessarily an avid tennis player or a fan. Uh, I like to watch it occasionally. But tennis is the only sport that you warm up with your opponent. The enemy. You get on the court and you're like, hey, hey, bro. Yeah, let's go. I'm going to beat you today, but I got to warm up first with you. Right? And so you just, you just go back and forth, and you know, you're, you're not trying to show them all of your moves or all of your tricks yet, right? But, but you're warming up with the enemy. And then you even you play the enemy, your opponent, by yourself. And can I tell you that some of you have been playing with the enemy far too long by yourself? You've been practicing and showing your, your moves to the enemy. You've been telling them all your secrets. Watch the spin I can put on this. Watch the lie I can tell right here. Nobody will ever know. And we begin to play life like it's a sport with the enemy. Some of you are battling and feeling like you're losing because you're fighting alone. You've believed the lie that you can't tell anyone. Man, I get it. I grew up in church. Like the biggest gossip chain in the church was the prayer team. No offense, prayer team. Our prayer team's cool. All right, they're legit. All right. I got y'all. But people were afraid of prayer and still are afraid to, to ask for prayer in church because they're like, well, who's going to find out? Who's going to find out my secret? Who's going to find out my struggle? Who's going to find out my mess? And so you're fighting alone. You've believed the lie that you can't tell anybody, that you can do it by yourself. And you're battling on the mountain of isolation all alone. But when Moses' hands grew tired in verse 12, 
Aaron and Hur, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Anybody in retail, they know what I'm talking about. He's standing a long time in retail. It's like, give me a seat. Aaron and Hur held his hands up. One on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Chris, come here, buddy. Randy, come here, buddy. Come on, real quick. Come on. So Moses is like this. Moses is old, y'all, all right? Not like he's 20. Even if he's 20, it'd be kind of tough like, after a while, Okay. But he had some people that they were doing life with. That's why groups are important. That's why you got to get in a group. The fall season is starting in about a month or so. Get into a group. Because we start doing life, and it gets busy, and I get it. But we start doing it by ourselves, and at first we think it's okay. I got this. I'm cool, I'm strong, I go to the gym. I mean, I don't, I, I don't go to the gym. But, but you can imagine what it'd be like if I did go to the gym. I broke my wrist, y'all, come on, like. It really didn't matter if I broke it or not, but I did. Um, but my hands are starting to get a little, well, this hand starting to get a little tired. I can feel it kind of tingling just a little bit. I could probably get a little bit, I could probably go a little bit longer, but, but we start slipping a little bit. And the things that we used to hold so sacred and, and so holy and the things that, that we, we said we would never do that become things that were like, ah, uh, one time's okay. It's not going to hurt. Like I'm an adult. I got, I got dudes up here. I'm a grown man. Do what I want. Right? Like if you're a dude, you know what I'm talking about. I'm a grown man. Do what I want. Who's going to tell me I ain't going to do something? Please. And we, 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 go through, we go through this. And we're holding our hands up by ourselves. We're doing life by ourselves. And we're going to slip. But Moses had some fellas that he was in relationship with and did life with. And he was like, guys, if we're going to win this battle, I got to keep my hands raised, but I can't do it by myself. So I need you to, I need you to hold this one arm. Yeah, yeah, hold that. And I need you to hold this one and just, 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 just hold it up, okay? And can I tell you, I, I, I don't have to even exert any energy right now because they're doing it for me. They're holding, they're holding my arms for me. And so as long as Moses' hands were raised, as long as he had some people in his life on his left and on his right that he was able to share his struggles with, come on somebody, he was able to let them know, hey, I'm struggling right now, but I need you to lift me up. I need you to lift me up in prayer. That's why 21 days of prayer is so important because we need to go to the Father. But not only do we need to go to the Father in prayer, we need to go to some people and say, I need some people to lift me up in prayer. I need some people that are going to believe in me. I need some people that are going to speak good into my life. I need some people to let me know that when I feel like I can't make it, that I can make it because they believe in me. 
And so not only do you need God to win the battle, you need other people to win the battle. Some of you haven't experienced freedom because you haven't brought other people along for the journey. Give it up for these guys. Thank you, guys. Not only do we need God, but we need each other. For freedom, salvation comes instantly, but freedom is a process. And we say, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Savior, be Lord of my life, and that's instant. But, but the process of freedom is confess your sins to, to God. Nah. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed, set free, made whole. And it's something that the enemy has infiltrated into our lives and made us believe that I'll just go to God with it. And that's cool. You should go to God. But can I tell you, freedom will happen when you bring other people along to lift your arms up when you can't lift them yourself. Can I tell you, we're going to be a church that comes alongside people that's going to lift up their arms. We're going to be a church that says, you know what? We believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. We're going to be a church that says, you may be hurting right now. It may, seem, it may not look good right now, but we're going to come alongside you. And we're going to battle with you. When nobody else believes in you, we're going to stand beside you. Maybe when nobody else believes in you because of your own actions, let us be the church that comes alongside you, says we will bring grace and we will offer, we will offer whatever we need to do or to be that says we're going to believe in you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to help you through it. We'll restore you. We'll do whatever we can so that you know that God's got greater plans in store for your life. That what you did is not who you are. It just is something you did. But God's got something inside of you that's so great. And we're just here to begin to pull it out of you. That's why we worship together. That's why we worship together. Because we come in and we know we're wrecked. The one thing you may not realize or know is that the person next to you is they're wrecked too. We all have past and we all have things that, that we've gone through. We've got hurts and, and things that maybe we haven't been able to, to let go of yet or, or people that we haven't forgiven yet. Bitterness that's set in. Hurts that have set in. But we come into a common place where we gather together and we realize that we're, we're all after Jesus. We're all seeking after the King. We're all seeking after the one who can save us. Maybe you're here and you're just trying to figure it out. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I want you to know that you're in a safe place today, that you can continue to figure it out. You can continue to seek after the Lord until you give your life to Him. All of it where the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there he is also. Some of you this morning are in a battle. You're in a battle and you need to declare, God, I need you. You need to, you need to be able to lift your hands today and say, this may not be what I normally do, 
This may not be my normal flow. It may be not be my natural who I am, but I'm going to raise my hands in battle today to declare, God, I need you. You see, lifting hands throughout history has symbolized two things. Two things. It symbolized victory. Latest example of that is the Women's World Cup. Come on. Like, like one. And as soon as they won, right, the, the, the game was over. They had won the last, the last match, the last game. And what they do, they run and they lift their hands up in victory. And they're like, we did it. The Astros just pitched a combined no-hitter. I thought I had more fans than that. The Astros <laughs> just pitched a combined no-hitter and, and the whole bench cleared with their arms held high, not just because of the victory in the game, but because they had accomplished something great. So we lift our hands it's a sign of victory, but it's also a sign of surrender. You ever watch like cops on TV or something? And they point a gun at you. They're like, don't move. You're like, oh, God. Right? And they're like, lift your hands, right? Lift your hands. Surrender. Right? Lift your hand. Why do they want you to lift your hands? Because they want to see your hands. They, they want to know that, that you're not digging in your pockets for something or, or you got something hiding somewhere they can't see. And they're like, we want you to surrender. The universal sign for surrender is not this. No, because, because as soon as you pull your hand out, they're going to tase you or shoot you with their nine or their 45. And it's not going to feel good. And so we surrender. They can see your hands. And so as we lift our hands and as we raise our hands, we, we see that it's in victory and it's also in surrender. But do you know that in the presence of the Lord, both can happen at the same time? In the presence of the Lord, both can happen at the same time. And it's in the moment you surrender to him, you find victory in him. Come on, that's good news for somebody today. Come on, the moment, the moment you surrender to him is the same moment that you find victory in him. And so I don't know who this message was for today. But I'm believing that this message is a message that we can look back at as a church and say, this defined my life. Maybe today you're like, this message, there was something about it that God's speaking and doing and that I'm going to stand up and I'm going to declare that I surrender, but I also find victory and I'm going to lift my hands. And, and when I begin to feel weak and, I, and my hands begin to go down a little bit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some people along so I don't have to do it alone because this is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find. Come on. 
Sing that. And this is how I fight. Yeah. Come on, this is how we fight. This is how I fight. Come on, we got a praise in our heart. We got worship in our spirits. This is how I fight. Yeah. Come on, we're going to declare that today. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, let's lift those hands. Come on, let's lift up. Thank you for joining us on the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at myhoperising.co. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.